Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He would, he would have to face his own father who had erected this altar to Baal. He would have to face all the men in the city who were incensed about what had happened here and what Gideon was about to do. So what does it say? Verse 27, So Gideon took men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, our scripture says, Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. In Gideon's community, Baal was worshipped right alongside of Yahweh. God called Gideon to get his house in order first. Gideon probably did this at night and under cover of secrecy because he feared that his father's household and the men of the city would prevent him from doing what needed to be done. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must remember that our own house must be in order before God will bless our steps. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Uh, because. Uh, Gideon was going to be going up the Midianite and the Amalekites, and they were sev- they were like 135,000 at least, and he was going up before them. Um, he didn't know it yet, but he thought he had like uh, I think 44,000, uh, uh, something like or, or 22,000, something like that. And God would have to winnow, and we're going to uh, winnow that army down to just 300 men, and we're going to see that in the next chapter, not tonight, but the following week, we will see that. But the Lord says, Peace be with you, do not fear. Now God doesn't mince words, does He? He says, do not fear, because He knows that the person He's speaking to is fearful. He did the same thing with Joshua. You can look at the very first chapter of Joshua in the first, uh, um, the first uh, 11 verses. In fact, God said to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 9, He says, Haven't I commanded you, Joshua? I'm going to bring you into the land. Haven't I told you that I was going to do this? And and God says to him, Be strong and of a good courage. Notice, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that what he just told Gideon? See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unlike anyone. He knows. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's seen it. He's seen yours and my life as if it's already uh, had come to pass. He's seen everything in between. And I love that about the Lord. Doesn't that encourage your heart to know that God has that knowledge? And to me, it's so wonderful to know that you're being held. You know, John chapter 10 says there's nothing in heaven above 
or an earth beneath that can pluck us out of God's hand. We're secure in him. So notice what happens. Verse 24, So Gideon, therefore, he built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, The Lord is peace. And that literally means uh, Jehovah Shalom. That's what it means. The Lord is peace. To this day, it is still an Oprah of the Abiezrites. Now, it's not there today. I'm sure there's remnants of it somewhere, and maybe somebody knows where that is. I certainly don't. But then it says this, verse 25, It came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that was beside it, and build an altar to the Lord. Notice, he first had to tear down this idolatrous altar, and then, verse 26, Now build an altar to Jehovah your God on top of this rock, in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you cut down. What is this wooden image? <laughs> this we'll, we'll actually get to that in a few minutes. But notice this false religious system had to come down before a right relationship with God could be established with a new, a new sacrifice, a new way of serving God. It's been said... Before God gives his servants great victories in public, he sometimes prepares them by giving them smaller victories at home. And before God would lead Gideon out against this huge Midianite and Amalekite army, God would do something really unique with Gideon at home. He would, he would have to face his own father who had erected this altar to Baal. He would have to face all the men in the city who were incensed about what had happened here and what Gideon was about to do. So what does it say? Verse 27, So Gideon took men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So, you know, you may think to yourself, well, if he didn't do it by day, then God's not going to accept it. You know, but the fact is, is that he did it. He did it at night, certainly. Was it uh, the time that God wanted him to do it? Don't know. It didn't say. (laughs) But uh, Gideon did it by night. And so, verse 28, Then the men of the city, they arose early in the morning, and there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it. And it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which he had built. One thing you have to remember is that these altars that they would build to Baal, they'd be very elaborate. It would be a beautiful thing to behold. And, um, and they would also have this wooden pillar uh, next to it, and it would be an a, a, a idol that they would worship, uh, the goddess Asherah, who was... Uh, um, who was a, a Canaanite goddess, and, and, and they were supposed to to burn that thing and to tear it down completely. And so, verse 29, they said to one another, Who has done this thing? So they see the altar broken down. They see the wooden image torn down. They said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. And notice, verse 30, The men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die. Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he's cut down the wooden image that was beside it. Can you just hear it in their voices? Can you believe it? They've torn down this altar and this wooden image. And, and, and again, this is the temperature spiritually where Israel was. They were completely cold. And, and why was it that they were worshiping? Why, did, why was it Gideon's father 
who was the, the, the man who would build this altar. He should have known better. And now the men are saying, we need to kill him. But yet the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 13 that it should have been the other way around. Those men should have been put to death for what they were doing instead of the other way around. Those men wanted to kill Gideon, but in actuality, those men should have been killed for what they were doing. We don't have time to go there, but look at Deuteronomy chapter 13. You know, and it talks about if you know of anybody who is involved in idolatrous worship, you bring him before the, the, the leadership, and, and this man must be killed. This man must be killed if he's worshiping a false god. You've you got to blow him in. You can't let him get away with it. But notice in verse 31, But Joash, his father, said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save this god, this Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. I almost wonder if Joash, Gideon's father now, is seeing the faith of his son, knowing in his heart, maybe all along, that this whole thing, what he was doing was wrong. But he never, he never, took, uh, he never went to the next step and said, you know what, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but you know what, all these guys around me, they want to do this. And so you know, he, he just caved in. Maybe that was the case with Joash. We don't really know. But when his son finally stood up, uh, with the faith that God had given him and that zeal, and he finally did it, now he's st- standing up with his son. He says, you better not touch my son. In fact, um, let, let Baal plead for himself. So therefore, on that day, verse 32, he called him Jerubbabel. So he called Gideon now Jerubbabel, which means let, let Baal plead. <laughs> and so, verse 33, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, so now they gathered together and they crossed over, and this is the Jordan River, so they were on the east side. Now they're crossing over the Jordan, and now they're encamping right there in the valley of Jezreel, which is that valley, the, the Jordan Valley. But notice verse 34, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him. Gathered behind him. And uh, let's see. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. And he also sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. So these are neighbors. Uh, if, if you were to look at a map of Israel during this time and, and where the tribes were located, Certainly Manasseh, and just above that you'd have Zebulun and Naphtali and so and Asher. And so he's calling for all these guys who are close by, all these tribes. He says, come, come with me against the Midianites and the Amalekites. And so, and they came up to meet him. And here is an interesting thing. <laughs> There's been a lot said about this passage that we're going to look at here in just the last few verses here. It says, So Gideon said to the Lord, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor, and if there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he arose early in the next morning, that he squeezed the fleece, he grabbed it, this, this, this uh, piece of lamb's wool, and he squeezes it, and he's able to wring out a bowl of water, And Gideon said, Do not be angry with me, but let me just speak once more. Let me test, I pray, just one more time with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground all around let there be dew. Now this would be a harder thing, but nothing's too hard for the Lord, right? 
So he asks something even more hard, and God's going, oh, please, I can do it. What do you want, Gideon? Do you want me to call, um, do you want me to have uh, uh, two Bill Gray's cheeseburgers and fries appear before you with that vanilla shake? I could do that. You know, I haven't even, Bill Gray hasn't even come on the scene yet for a couple thousand years in the future yet, and they're in, in, in New York. But if, if that's what you want, I could do it. <laughs> you know, so, he's, so he, he asked God to do that, and so God does it. He does it. And I love the fact that God is, 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 is compassionate. This is one of the themes in the whole thing, I think, is just the compassion and the grace of God when a, uh, a child of God's faith is imperfect, it's, it's maybe not strong, maybe he's wrestling with his understanding of who God is and how God deals with people. You know, and, and, and I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 42. It says, uh, verse 3, Isaiah 42, verse 3, it says, A bruised reed God will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. And, and that's really what Gideon was. He was a bruised reed. And was God going to break him and, and cause him to his faith to be um, hurt or somehow? Uh, God do, doesn't do that. He, he's always encouraging. And I love how he met Gideon right where he's at. You know, you and I would be tempted to say, you know what, Gideon? I've already spoken to you at least twice now. I've sent the prophet. The angel of the Lord has spoken to you. You know, I've done all these things. What's the problem? You know, you and I will get frustrated, and we get frustrated with each other doing, you know, during things like this with ourselves and our family and stuff like that. But notice God is not, he's not upbraiding him. He's not yelling at him. He's not upset with Gideon. He just says, okay, I'll do it. Because he knew in the end that it was going to be just the thing that Gideon needed. And, you know, that's what's so important. God knows what you need. And so if we ask out of a real genuine desire, God's not going to turn you away. If you test God, you might have a different result. You know, if you're testing God and presuming upon God and, um, and testing God in a wrong way, you better be careful because you may get in some trouble. But if your heart is real genuine and you really have a heart for Him and He sees that smoking flax, He's not just going to quench it. He's going to fan it to make it a bigger flame. When He sees that bruised reed, He's going to lift it up and apply balm to it and, and heal it and maybe wrap it up. He's not going to let the thing die. So different from the way the world is, but yet that's not the way God is. So, so verse 40, And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all of the ground. And that was the harder miracle for God to do, although nothing's too hard for Him. I mean, can you imagine if God says, um, Gideon, I could speak. I spoke the very ground, the very world. Look around you. Can you see the mountains over there? There was a time when none of that existed. And I just said, let there be. And there was. Let there be light. Let there be uh, fish swimming in the ocean and an abundance of animals. Let there be uh, green beans and let there be uh, broccoli and all these other things. And God spoke and it was so. He spoke it all. And then lastly, He spoke of us. But this phrase... We see this in Christian circles. We hear this phrase, throwing out a fleece before the Lord. And it is not really a very spiritual thing um, to do, but rather it exposes our unbelief. Because some people will say, well, I'm just going to throw out a fleece to the Lord. I would recommend not doing that. I would recommend not doing that. If the God has spoken, then believe Him. You don't have to throw out a fleece to God. If He's spoken... He's spoken, and He's going to do it. If He says He's not going to do it or He's silent, then I wouldn't count on it. 
<laughs> you know, wait upon him. But see, whenever we do stuff like that, whenever we invoke throwing out a fleece and and, um, you know, we have to remember that, that God dis- condescends to us, and he did to Gideon by allowing this to happen, but it is not the recommended way about going about things. It's better to trust in what the Lord says and act upon it. So this throwing out a fleece, what, what it can do is if we get into a habit of doing that, you know, that would be like saying, if I get a phone call by my mother sometime this week, then I'll know that God wants me to get that new Ferrari, that new... Uh, that new Lamborghini Countach or whatever it is, um, that really nice Italian sports car that Jane Katsonas told me about, um, that I'm going to go and I'm going to buy that. If my mother calls me this week, but if she doesn't call me, then all bets are off. you know. And, uh, and so we, 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 we somehow hold God to this crazy formula that we make up. And, and rather than trusting in God, we really what we're really doing is invoking superstition. If this happens, then I know that God has spoken, and we, we put God in uh, in a place that he, he that He refuses to be, because superstition is a belief or a practice resulting from ignorance. It's from the fear of the unknown. It's trusting in magic or chance or a false conception of causation. That's what superstition is, and it's a misplaced misplaced. Excuse me. Superstition is a misplaced trust in God and devotion, and it exposes our unbelief and our mistrust of God. It does. And so we ought not to do that. So before somebody says, or before you say to yourself, well, I'm just going to throw out a fleece, it's better just to pray. It's better to pray and trust in God and not follow what Gideon did here. God uh, put up with Gideon in a sense, but this is not the way we ought to go about things. God permitted this because of where Gideon was at, but we ought not to take that as a formula that, well, I'm just going to do this as well. Some churches and some uh, denominations, you know, they still do that kind of thing today, but, you know, it's better not to do that. If God said, then let it be. Pray about it. If he doesn't say anything, then just continue to pray until he provides. And if he doesn't, then it wasn't his will for your life. And it's really that simple. It's really that simple. The Bible says that without faith... It is impossible to please God. So really Gideon wasn't really operating in, in that sense of, of just believing God. Because if he just believed what God had told him, none of this would have had to happen. But again, remember the compassion and grace of God. He is that way with Gideon. And it's there to encourage us that if it's really genuine, you know, if it was really genuine for for him to be able to, to have that kind of uh, understanding that God was really with him. You know, he was weak enough in his faith, I believe, where God says, you know what, Gideon, I'm going to meet you halfway, more than halfway, and I'm going to do what you said because I, I want to encourage you. I have a plan for your life, and I'm going to do it through you. I told you I was going to do it, and I know you're struggling, and I know it makes no sense because, and in fact, you know, God would tell him <laughs> in the next chapter, we're going we're gonna to see him take his... 22,000 men army or whatever it was, and he's going to take it down to like 11,000 and then finally down to 300. Do you realize the odds, what the percentage is? It's like he takes his army of of 22,000, he strips it by 45% down to 11,000, and then he does another test, and we'll look at that next week, and now those 10,000, now only 300 are left. That's 1.4% of his original army or that's all he has left, actually, is 1.4% of his original. Amazing. I love what it says in Psalms, and we'll finish here. Psalm 103, 
verses 13 and 14. And just as Gideon, just as God was pitying Gideon, notice what it says. Verse 13, Psalm 103, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, who really really reverence him. They, they, they fear him. They love him. They, they don't see him as just a, a father figure. He, he's more than that. He's Almighty God. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. I love this. He, know, he remembers that we are dust. God remembers. He knows what we're made of. He knows what, that we're not all that. God knows all these things. And so we can be encouraged. So I want you to be encouraged by the life of Gideon because he really is an unlikely hero because he was very small in his own sight. And then he used it as an excuse, you know, um, which we would do the same as well. And then he required more signs from God to encourage him in his faith, to encourage him that he was really speaking to him. And again, be encouraged by that. Although I wouldn't recommend throwing out a fleece to the Lord, just listen to the Lord, trust Him, and when He speaks, be obedient to what He reveals to you in His Word and what He speaks to your heart. Be obedient to that first. And what He, what you're willing to do, the small things uh, that you do for the Lord, He will then give you bigger things. But if I'm not willing to do a very small thing, you know, why would God? I mean, He can, and sometimes He does, but why would He... Put me in a in a very. Why would he have me go out against a hundred and thirty five thousand man army if I'm not willing to tear down my father's altar at home? Hmm, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? When you think about the altars that we can all build in our homes, the things that we watch on television, the types of movies, you know, the types of entertainments that we take in. We have to be careful of those things. And so, let's pray. And next week we will look at. Uh, uh, chapter 7 and, and possibly chapter 8 as well. And this is where it gets really interesting. One of the most famous passages in the book of Judges. In fact, there's more ink, there's more verses written of Gideon's life here and his what he's doing and what the Lord is doing through him than any other of the judges. The only other one that's close is Samson. But notice that God did so much in Gideon and And he's not afraid to write down in Scripture for us the reluctance, the the, the timidity in his faith. God is not upset about that, but he uses what you're willing to give to him. So give to the Lord. Give him, and I'm not just talking about money, okay? I'm talking about give him your life. Give him your heart. Give him everything. Give him your whole heart. And, you know, don't worry about what God might do. Because whatever he does do, it is not going to kill you. (laughs) Is it going to challenge you? Yes, it's going to challenge you. But He doesn't do anything to harm you. He rather does things to build you up and to encourage you. And that's the way you have to understand it. And that's the way I'm, I'm growing in that myself. And so let's grow in that together. It's such a wonderful journey that we have. And so let's pray. Father, we thank You for this time together. And we thank You, Lord, that You have worked in the life of Gideon. And we thank You for the encouragement that that is to us, Lord, as we see Him wavering. Lord, many of us waver. Lord, I myself, uh, I don't know how many times I waver. And Lord, my wavering is not over. I wish I could say it was. But God, there's, we're human. And Lord, unfortunately, our, we, just, we, take more, we put more attention on our flesh and the things of it rather than denying it and, and trusting you, Father. Help us to, as we grow in our faith with you, as we grow in our walk with you, Lord, to be more 
uh, aware of what you can do in spite of our physical, spiritual limitations as people, regardless of who we are, Lord. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.